heights to the depths of the sea. And um, so as they were burying a man, then suddenly they spied a band of raiders and they put the man in the tomb of Elijah because they had to get out of there because this raid was coming toward them. So they just quickly put him into Elijah's tomb for convenience. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. So even post-mortem, God is still doing miracles through this wonderful man of God. All exclaiming, Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher, Rob Kellogg. Then Elisha died. Like many others, he simply became old, sick, and then died, and then was buried in a tomb. Then there came a time when a dead man was buried near Elisha, and when he was let down, his body touched the bones of Elisha, and he was revived and stood on his feet. This was one of the most strange and unusual miracles in the Bible. There is little explanation, and the silence of the record suggests that there was not inherent power in the bones of Elisha to resuscitate others. This seems to be a unique one-time miracle to bring honor to the memory of this great prophet. Now here's Pastor Rob's conclusion of chapter 13 in the book of Second Kings. I can put my hand to or whatever, and I'm tired. You know, do you ever get that point where you're just like, I, I really, I hate sin. See, that's where God wants us to get. Even the things that are pleasurable for a season, those are the things that get us. But even after that, there's bitterness, there's heartache. It's like, you want to continue living that way? I don't. <laughs> I don't want to live that way. I like to lay my head on my pillow at night knowing that the record is straight with God. And sleep like a baby. I don't need to take Ambien. I don't need to take Jack Daniels with Ambien to make me go to sleep. I can go right to sleep like a baby with no chemicals in my, my system. Hallelujah. Verse 8. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoiahaz and all that he did and his might, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? Is the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel, is that something we have in our Bible today? Say No. It's not. We don't have it. We don't know where it is. We have the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah. First and Second Chronicles, that's what it's speaking of, the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah. But we do not have the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. As you look at Chronicles, you'll see that it's all about the Judean kings, especially after the first 11 chapters. Everything else is about Judah. A priest, a, a Jewish priest, you know, understanding of the things that we have read in First and Second Kings with a little more information, but it's always about the kings of Judah, not, nothing about the kings of Israel. We don't have that in our Bibles. It's, it's missing somewhere. But guess what? God's, you think he's more interested in Israel or Judah? Yeah, otherwise this book would be even thicker. He didn't think it was a big deal for it to be included, but Judah, yes, and so we have it right here. We're, we're reading it, right? And we will read it. So notice... So Jehoiahaz rested with his fathers. They buried him in Samaria. And then Joash, his son, reigned in his place. In the 37th year of Joash, king of Judah, Jehoash, 
and boy, these names can get really tricky. Uh, the son of Jehoiahaz became king over Israel in Samaria, and he reigned in, uh, for 16 years. And so, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Notice again in verse 11, he did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam. Man, how often are we going to hear this? Just over and over again, this king, he, 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 he did evil in the sight of the Lord, didn't depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin, but walked in them. Now the rest of the acts of Joash are the, and all that he did, are they not in his might with which he fought against Amaziah, king of Judah, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? Yes, they are. We just don't know where they're at. So Joash, verse 13, rested with his fathers, and then Jeroboam sat on a stone. Wait a minute, Jeroboam, I thought he was the guy who started all this way back when. Yes, a long time ago prior, the guy who, the first king in the the divided kingdom was Jeroboam over Israel, and now Jehoiahaz, or I'm sorry, uh, and now his son, Right now, his son, what does he name him? Jeroboam. Why not name him something better? Well, because birds of a feather flock together. He names him Jeroboam. Well, why not a good name? Why not Daniel? Why not David? No, Jeroboam, because we're going right back to the right back to the vomit again, boys. We're gonna like it. That's where we're going. We're going back to the vomit. We're going to go back to the pigs. He takes them right back there. So Jeroboam here is called Jeroboam II, in case you ever wonder. That's how they delineate the two of them. The first one was in the very beginning when the kingdom divided, but now they're well into it now, into the, into the history of Israel. But now his name is Jeroboam II, and he reigned from 782 to 753, a total of 50 years. If you don't count his, um, uh, he reigned from 782 to 753, and he was co-regent with his father, Joash. And if you add up all of those co-regent years, and then the years after his dad died, it was about 40 years. And so, notice verse 14 now in our text says, Elisha had become sick, and now Elisha comes back into the picture. He's been kind of... uh, uh, you know, the Lord has been introducing other things, and now we come back to now Elisha, who is at the end of his life. He became sick with the illness that, from which he would die. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face. Isn't that interesting? This holy man of God, and now you've got this Joash, king of Israel, evil king. There was something in him that knew that there was something about this holy man of God. Something about him. And so he goes, and he weeps over him. And he said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. And that phrase ought to remind you of the very same thing that Elisha said to Elijah as Elijah was being taken into heaven. Isn't that the very same thing? And basically what he was saying here, this Joash king, he's basically saying, You are more important than all of Israel's armament, their army. You're more important than all of it, and I know it. But the unfortunate thing is, it really didn't produce, because Joash's faith was so shallow and so small, he had this momentary momentary feeling for Elisha, but it quickly evaporated, because we know that after this, he just went back to his old ways again. So it really didn't appropriate anything good in his life. There was no faith that was being demonstrated, 
And Elisha, you know, um, here, he, he doesn't wash his hands of this king coming to him. He, you know, as Elisha, this godly man is there, and he sees Joash coming in the door, he didn't say, hit the road, Jack. Don't want to have anything to do with you. No, but a real godly man like him is going, you know, Lord, maybe there's a, a few things I can share. Maybe this last moment I have, maybe there's something. And that is God's heart, too. Right to the very end. Wasn't Jesus like that on the cross? When he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Could he have come off that cross and decimated everybody? You better believe it. He could have just spoke a word, and they would have evaporated if he so chose. But this is why he came into the world. Right to the very end, God is always gracious. You'll see that in people's lives. Horrible people living like hell all of their life. They get on their deathbed. They're hooked up to oxygen. They're about ready to die just hours from now. And then all of a sudden, somebody comes in. You know, this guy's a serial killer. He's an extortioner. He's, he's, he's done all these horrible things. And then someone comes in, a nurse comes in and says, can I pray for you to receive Christ? And he looks up and, you know, two blinks for yes, you know. And then he blinks twice and he receives Christ. And all of his sins are forgiven. And he goes to heaven. And the world is outraged. He should have went to hell. Aren't you glad God's that gracious? Aren't you glad that Elisha was that gracious? To Jehoaz, Jehoi, uh, um, to this king. Yeah, it gets it gets a little confusing after a while. You start saying Jeho- Joash, Jehoiaz, it gets a little crazy. But I love the grace of God in this. So finally, uh, and then um, let's see. And Elisha said to him, "Take a bow." And some arrows. And so he took himself a bow and some arrows. And then he said to the king of Israel, "Now put your hand on the bow." So he literally has a bow and arrow. And this is the last thing that Elijah is going to do. He's going to see this king coming in, Joash, and he's going to say, pick up the bow. He picks up the bow, and then Elisha puts his hand on the king's hand, and he says, now take those arrows. Put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it, and Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And you can see this. It's really a touching picture, if you really think of it. You can picture it in your head. And he said, open the east window, and he opened it. So they're probably in Samaria somewhere, which is on the eastern, or the western side of the, of the Jordan River. So they're looking east now, and the Jordan River is somewhere out over there. And then over there is this town called Aphek. And he says, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. You must strike the Assyrians at Aphek until you have destroyed them. And so there are two cities that are Aphek. One is in the, on the western shore of, of, of Israel near the Mediterranean. And this other city of Aphek is right on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. So if you're looking at a map, and the Galilee's up here, and here's the Dead Sea, and here's the Jordan, Aphek is right on the border, right on the shoreline on the eastern side. In fact, when we go to Israel, we go to this place called Ein Gen, and it's a place where St. Peter's fish. If you've gone to Israel and you've been to St. Peter's fish, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That's the place. Very close to that place is Aphek, and that's where this took place. And so he said, now take the arrows. And he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck the, 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 the three times and then he stopped. And the man of God was angry with him. 
And he said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have had struck uh, Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will only strike Syria three times. So there was an understanding here that we miss by reading this passage. That when he had him fire the, the arrow, there was an understanding that those arrows, each one of them is a, is, is, is a, is a symbol of faith. A symbol of uh, of what God could do, the possibility of what God could do. And that's why Elisha gets so angry with him when he only he takes the five arrows and he just strikes them three times. I mean, it, had I known that, I would have just smashed them on the ground until they were just splinters. But maybe this king, this idolatrous king, was thinking, you know, I just don't know if God is that. I don't know that he would do that for me. Maybe three times. But five? I don't... I don't, I don't think so. And see, who cares what we think? Is God good or is he not? If he's good and, 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 it's not, and, and what happens is not dependent on my ability or even my feelings about myself. See, that's where we get so stuck. We want God's blessing and God wants to bless us. And even when we mess up and we do something really horrible, and then I've had this. Have you had this happen to you? Where you do something really dumb and you know you've really blown it. And then that very same day while you're just mourning over your sin, you're just like, oh God, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that. And oh, what a mess. That very day, God does something and blesses you right out of the blue. And you're like, oh. You just fall down and you start bawling. You're like, are you really that good? Are you really that good, Lord? And you can almost hear him from the cloud saying, yeah, and a lot more. I'm even better than that. Much better than that. Who are you speaking to? Some impotent God who is weak? Are you speaking to Almighty God who spoke all things with a word did he not speak and, and things that were invisible, that weren't even seen, came to be? We live on this big chunk of rock that's floating around in the, in the, in the heavens. It used to not be here, but he spoke it. And now we're standing on it. And even if we got to one side of the room and rushed over like this, we're not going to tilt the earth. It's not going to wobble. It's a big rock. He spoke it. He's big. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Then Elisha died, verse 20, and they buried him. And the, ra- the raiding bands from Moab invaded the land in the spring of the year. And so it was, as they were burying a man, that suddenly they spied a band of raiders. And they, they, they usually put the, uh, a person like Elijah, they would put him in a tomb or in some kind of uh, cave or, or in some kind of tomb. And, um, and so as they were burying a man, then suddenly they spied a band of raiders and they put the man in the tomb of Elijah because they had to get out of there because this raid was coming toward them. So they just quickly put him into Elijah's tomb for convenience. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. So even post-mortem, God is still doing miracles through this wonderful man of God. And it ought to remind us of a type here a type of the sinner, dead in his sins, meeting the holiness of God, coming into contact with that which is holy, speaking of Christ, and then being revived again. And certainly this speaks of when Israel, yet in the future, when they look upon him whom they have pierced, 
in the great tribulation period, and they finally see him return, their hearts are going to yearn for Christ again. And it says that all Israel will be saved. Then they'll realize that this one that we crucified is indeed the Messiah. And all of Israel at that time is going to embrace their God. It's going to be a glorious thing. It's going to be a glorious thing. So Haziel, verse 22, king of Assyria, oppressed Israel all the days of Jehoiahaz. So Syria, or Aram, they would naturally, militarily attack Israel from the north because it was an easy, practical means to attack because you couldn't attack from the east because of the Gilead mountain range there on the western or the eastern side of the Jordan River. It's not a real practical place to uh, attack from. So they would always come from the north and then down, and Israel was the first bird to be shot as they would come down, right? And they were the first ones to be picked off by the Assyrians in 722. But notice again, But the Lord was gracious to them, verse 23, had compassion on them, regarded them because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and would not destroy them or cast them from his presence. Notice that. Again, what a wonderful verse of grace of God. Keeping his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Don't ever think that the God of the Old Testament is different from the God of the New Testament. As I read through, and I would encourage you, as you read the Old Testament, underline and circle phrases and chapters and verses that speak of God's grace. It's all over the place. It's all over the place. He's the same God. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's never changed. He's never changed. And so Hazael, king of Syria, died, and then Ben-Hadad, his son, reigned in his place. And Joash, the son of Jehoiahaz, recaptured from the hand of Ben-Hadad, the son of Hazael, the cities with which he had taken out of the hand of Jehoiahaz, his father, by war. So now he's reclaiming all of this land that uh, Hazael had taken from Israel. Now this new Israel king now is taking back that land, and hallelujah for that. And notice, here it is. Three times Joash defeated him and recaptured the cities of Israel. Remember the arrows? Three times? Well, he did it three times, and that's all he could do, but he did reclaim. He could have done more, but he did that. And so, um, what an amazing chapter. You know, just the end of Elisha's ministry and just seeing the, the grace of God. Just the horrible things that man does. And aren't you glad you serve a God who is the God of the second chance? Often the third chance. I said this last Sunday. He, he's been the, the God of so many chances for me. I've lost count. And you know, when we stand before him, I'll never say to him, Lord, you never, you never were kind to me. I'll, I, 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 in fact, I, I think I'll probably, and along with all of you, will be sniveling and crying at his feet in heaven out of thanksgiving. Not out of remorse, but thanksgiving. Just loving him and being so blown Because, folks, I believe that's the reality of what it's going to be. When we're in the presence of perfection, the one who saved us from an eternal damnation, the one who loves us, the one who's provided a place, he's prepared a place for us that where he is we might also be, where there are pleasures forevermore, holy pleasures, not the weird, twisted stuff on the earth, but holy pleasures, Things that just make your heart light and just you're just like, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And it just never ends. And it's always unraveling the beauty and the mystery and the holiness. Oh, my goodness. 
It just makes you weird in the head in a good way. I like that. Weird in the head in a good way. That's what I am. I'm weird in the head in a good way. I love Jesus. Do you love him? Do you love what he's doing in your life? Don't give up. Don't be discouraged. Don't pay attention to all the stuff that you're seeing on the things. Hey, God's got it all under control. He's told us the end from the beginning. He's got it all under control. Don't you worry one second. And I have. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be transparent with you. I've been wrecked. I've been wrecked privately, and it even comes out at times up here, unfortunately. I have been wrecked seeing what's going on in our country. It's tore me to shreds, and I've wept, and I've cried, and I've been hateful. I've been angry, and I'm just telling you the truth. But I think God is slowly setting me free and just saying, Rob, I got it. You're of no use getting angry and bitter about it. You're just going to drive your family away. The church is not going to want to come and listen to you rant and rave. So shut up (laughs) and talk about me. And it's hard sometimes. not hard to talk about Jesus. That's easy. But we live in a funny time. We, We have to keep our eyes on him. There is no doubt. That is the first and foremost important thing. And it doesn't mean we hide our head in the sand. But folks, and don't do like I did. And I hope that, and pray for me and I'll pray for you. I don't want to get my, I don't want to get so down in the dumps like I was. I don't want to have my, just destroyed. And then God's like, why are you doing that, Rob? Didn't you just share revelation? Don't you know these things are coming? Yeah, Lord, I know, but I just didn't think it was going to be on my watch. And he's like, don't worry about it. You just walk with me. You just walk with me. You get filled up with me every day, and you continue to do what I want you to do. Be a light. Be a, an encouragement to, your, to, to my people, God would say. And I'm like, oh, God, help me to do that. Because I haven't been. I'll be honest with you now. Forgive me. But it's what we need to do. It's what I need to do. Let's stand. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this time. And Lord, thank you for the patience of my brothers and sisters. And Lord, pray that you would encourage us, Lord, as we read this book, this holy book of yours. And Lord, may it get, take deep root in our life. And may you change us, Lord. Help us to keep our eyes firmly, firmly fixed on you. Lord, as the song we sing, And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Thank you, Lord. You be the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen.
That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.